0: Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio.
1: And welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Norrie back with you. Hillary Gam with us. Her book, Billions Lost. She is also the co-founder of the American Workers Coalition. We'll talk about that in a moment, explain what that is all about. So, Hillary, in terms of these tech companies, in your opinion, at what point do they have the right to or the need to school what is put on social networking platforms?
0: Good question. Well, I think that social platforms now have become a mass communicator. And as your earlier guest indicated, President Trump's got a lot of sway on Twitter, right? He's probably, I would think, I mean, with 80 million, he's probably one of the biggest, uh, you know, Twitter groups, you know, Twitter individuals out there in terms of the number of followers. And so it's... Very hard for me to understand how individuals, you know, exercising free speech could be stamped out by companies, you know, social media companies. I just, I don't see how they should be policing, you know, free speech on the Internet.
1: As long as they're not profane and, as you said, child porn and stuff like that.
0: Yeah, and inciting violence or, or riot. Yes. Right.
1: Yeah, they're not saying go out and kill people and do this. If they are, yank them.
0: Right, but I'll give you an example. One very good example happened today. I heard uh, one of the CEOs of one of the largest social uh, networking platforms that we have in the United States talk about how they shut down the uh, president of Brazil because he was saying that there were studies, medical studies, that showed that hydroxychloroquine was effective in early treatment. Oh
1: yeah, they're yanking that off all the all over the place.
0: But what was very interesting was that, and, and his and, and his his justification was they were saying that, and that was somehow not true. But you know, I live in Connecticut, and in this week in Connecticut, the Yale uh, head epidemiologist came out with a study that you know two clinical trials that said exactly the same thing. So there's a situation where you know there might be different points of view. And and I think science is based on that, right? That's
1: what science is. It's always
0: varying different points of view. But you
1: put something on about COVID-19 that they don't like, they take it off. They wipe it off instantly. It's gone. It's almost like they've got 25 people simply just reading people's posts and they see COVID-19 pop up. They take it off.
0: Yeah. I, and did you hear, I'm, I'm sure you did, but you heard there were the, the physicians who were in, like they had their ER practice and they put something up and they mm-hmm. their opinion and they were shut down immediately as soon as it was hi- highlighted. And that's the kind of thing that really has to stop. I mean, that's
1: that's too much. That's blatant.
0: Yeah, it really is. It's too much, right? It's just not American.
1: That's blatant. Well, let's talk a little bit about COVID-19, then we'll get into your America American Workers Coalition and how you formed that. But COVID-19 has cost us 40 million jobs already. You're an expert on jobs. Are we going to get them back?
0: Well, let me tell you, I certainly hope so. So, Let's remember, if if we can, that I have always been this huge proponent of remote workforce as a vibrant domestic remote workforce. And why is that? That's because we have a huge country full of awesome, educated, intelligent, willing people who want to work. And they have computers, and they speak English. They were raised in the United States. They understand our laws and our processes. They understand how businesses run. They understand how people communicate and how commerce is conducted in the United States. So they should be our first line of workers in every possible instance where we can hire them. And so what the pandemic has done from a good perspective is it's shown these corporations and the executives at these corporations that they can, in fact, have a viable remote workforce. They can give people the flexibility to be caregivers of either elderly parents or young children or individuals with disabilities, or they can give people part-time work or full-time work and allow them the flexibility to work from home and from the office. So those are the good things that came out of the pandemic, this understanding that we can successfully engage American citizens to work remotely and be contributing members of society. What scares me, however, though, is over the past 20 years, technology has enabled the outsourcing craze, which has
1: led
0: 20 million jobs from the U.S. economy. Oh, my God. And that's because of the insatiable desire for cheap foreign labor to basically go unabated, through offshoring and outsourcing rather than hiring Americans. And so what I fear and what I'm concerned about is that with this remote, you know, um, kind of epiphany, that we ensure that President Trump and his administration recognize that we have to stem uh, outsourcing and offshoring. We have to create some data must-stay laws. We need to bring our data home. We need to bring our jobs home, and the data that's here in the U.S. needs to stay in the U.S. And President Trump and his administration are very keen on fair trade. Well, India and China both have laws that keep their data in their countries. So does the E.U., and so does Australia. Now, it benefits global big tech corporations, to allow data to flow freely, to let your personal data, your health data, your financial data, and their company data to flow all over the world so that they can hire cheap labor in the Philippines to take customer service calls. And they can hire cheap labor in India to do coding that potentially isn't the highest quality. And so with this new remote workforce awakening in the U.S., we need to keep our, keep our jobs domestic, and then we need to bring our jobs home. 20 million jobs outside the U.S. due to outsourcing and offshoring. Even if we just brought a fraction of those back and gave them to people work, living so they could work in the Midwest, you know, not necessarily in these big cities, we would see the American economy come back.
1: We're so, still 20 million short, though, Hillary.
0: We are, but you know what? If we give Americans jobs, then Americans will grow our economy. The reason that the middle class is being hollowed out is because we have educated American citizens who are losing their jobs and then they have an inability to contribute to society and be consumers and send their kids to college and go on vacation and buy new cars and buy a home. You know... One of the things I, I, I hope we get to talk about is you know, this American Workers Coalition, but one of the candidates, uh, Lauren Witzke, who's running for Senate in the state of Delaware, is a lovely young woman, and she very articulately explains that her generation of Americans, the millennials, they can't afford housing. They don't get married, and they don't have kids. And that's the hollowing out of these educated Americans who go to college and then are denied access and opportunity to our jobs that are crippling our economy and crippling our democracy. And that's what we need to reverse. That's that's the focus. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com
1: for more.